working our way through uh, the letter to the church in Ephesus. We're in Ephesians 5. We're looking at verses 25 to 33. The priorities of the husband. So if you would follow with me as reading the word of God. Verse 25. Husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Father, uh, we are in a, a vile and evil time. And um, this text alone completely contradicts the society we're in. So, my king, I ask that you teach that you show us the amazing things that you ordained and that, Father, in great willingness and great passion, we are willing to walk in a manner worthy. Father, may we walk filled with the Spirit. May we walk to the glory of our Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, amen. I shared with you years ago when we started this letter, that this book, this letter, deals with unity. I also shared with you that uh, as I read through this before I ever began sharing it with you, that this was going to cause uh, some scouring in this church. And I had some people who uh, thought that that was a bad idea. And I said, you know, if I'd have thought it, I'd go with bad idea. But God led me to it and showed me that I needed to be here. So I went ahead with the bad idea. There's interesting stuff in this letter that I think that sometimes we just kind of blow off. Uh, one is that it, this book is the church. Okay, did you remember what we just read here? This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Well, wait a minute, you're dealing with the role of the woman and you're dealing with the role of the man. Well, what you and I know as marriage is a picture of Jesus Christ and his church. Do you realize that that's why marriage was given to us? That we would be representative of the relationship that the Lord Jesus Christ has with the believers. It's fascinating to me that the body of Christ is called the body of Christ. Remember what I shared with you last week? When Adam seen Eve, what did he say? This is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. That was his body. That's what he was describing. When you think about the church, what is it? It is the flesh of his flesh, the bone of his bone. But we're also called the bride. The bride of Christ. And so marriage, when you think about marriage, because you can't get away from marriage in this text, chapter 5. Marriage is a picture of Jesus' relationship with the church. And you know, tragically, it is. What I know what Christ wants for the church and what I see in the church, 
don't fit. Don't even get close. And that's why I'm moving into this, the priorities of the husband. Marriage is uh, under assault in this country. And it's from daggone every direction. The thing is that I, when I see a healthy church, you know what I see? Healthy marriages. Because it takes the oneness of a marriage, of a man and a woman, to bring the oneness that is the body of Christ. The woman fulfilling her role, the man fulfilling his role. Uh, My very first Sunday school teacher, him and his wife taught our class. And I was always amazed by him because he always called his wife his bride. This is my bride, Alice. This is my bride. So one day, at that time I was single, I asked him, how long have you been married? 36 years. And it's your bride? What happens to us when it goes from my bride to my wife? What just happened? I've gotten used to it. You're not used to your bride. That's just, okay, that's brand spanking new old bear, man. And then all of a sudden, it becomes your wife. Why? Well, that's my wife. And that's always stuck in my head that, you know, why do men move that precious gift that God has given from bride to wife? It's like when you get a new car. Get a new car, it's got the new car smell, and you're just, boy, look at my baby. And you wax about every other day, and you do all of this other stuff. And then after a while, you don't ever wax it. Uh, It looks good when it's got mud on it. It Looks like I'm using it. Okay? I think that some of us men have, uh, at time or two, done the same thing with our wives. I have a customer that I work on as a motorcycle, and he came to me, it's been about a year ago, and his wife left him. He's broke up about it. He was, he's not a believer. I mean, I don't expect miracles, so, but uh, he uh, said, I just don't understand it. But this guy's got a bike since the late 90s. This thing looks like it has come off the showroom. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about motorcycles, but down where the motors and the transmission sits on the frame, that gets road stuff. And there ain't nobody. Well, mate, wait. I don't ever clean that out. That's why God created rain. Riding the rain, it all comes out. Okay? His was clean, spotless. And I mean, if he got a little nick on something, he'd go get Hartlett Davidson paint and just touch that thing back up. I told him. If you would treat your wife the way you treat that motorcycle, you'd still be married. What do you mean by that? I'm just telling you. And yet last week we looked at it. When it comes to marriage, we got our hands full, don't we? Daggone if we ain't been cursed. She will seek to overthrow man, overrule him. And we've seen that when Eve went ahead and partook of the fruit of the tree of good and evil. And then what did she do? She went and got her husband to do it. Who's leading? She was. So it became a curse. And then the men would be cursed with the fact that he will crush her without love. He will dominate her. He will take dominion over her. He will rule her. I look around and say, yeah. And it's funny. Well, I don't know why you'd believe the Bible. Well, I hate to tell you this. It said that women are going to have pain in childbirth. What do you think? It said the ground would bear weeds. What do you think? Everything you'd work on would fall apart. What do you think? What do you think your marriage is going to look like? Husbands are very lacking in love. Well, my husband's not loving. 
Well, what the heck does that mean? Now, I know that we have the world view, and that's based on icky sentimentalism. Okay? My husband don't send me flowers. He don't send me cards. He don't remember this. He don't remember that. Really? That's love? I think not. Love is provision. Love is protection. Love is enduring. Love is forever. It ain't got nothing to do with what the temporal is. Well, he hasn't bought me a new car. He hasn't even bought me an old car. Just go down the list. You look at what we define love is. What standard is that? Where did it come from? He doesn't hold my hand. He used to hold my hand. Why doesn't he put his arm around me? Is that love? Is that what it is? I wish you'd take me to a movie. Have you seen any of the movies lately? He's protecting you. (laughs) Husbands are lacking in love. But let me tell you something. It's been that way since the fall. It was that way at the time of Christ. It was writing of the New Testament. It was that way. Listen, sacrificial love is not natural. Okay? The love that Jesus Christ showed you and me on Calvary's cross is not natural. All right? It is natural to love self. That is our human nature. It is natural to be self-consumed. And I've seen this. You know, if I go out and buy her this little bitty thing, then I can go over here and buy me this big thing. But she knows that I love her because I bought her that little bitty thing. Love of self is preoccupied with self. Man's nature is he is absorbed with himself or herself. Listen, that is our nature. Look at that outline. The manner of love and the motive of love. The manner is, it's a sacrificial love. It's a purifying love. Got that? Got that going on? No, but I hold her hand. Took her out to breakfast. It's a caring love. It's an unbreakable love. Hmm. As long as you are uh, dealing with the natural man, you cannot give yourself to the love of someone else. You can pat your head. You're my favorite. That's what I tell my daughter. You're my favorite daughter. Why? Only got one. Not real hard. Men in our society are no different than in the past. Listen, men in the past, as today, suppress women. And we're all guilty of it, men. You notice that less men today? What's up with that? I'm going to mail them this sermon. That men put women under their feet. Let me try to put it in a terminology that you can understand today. Women for men are sex objects. Okay. How many men are actually looking at a woman for her nature and her character? Name one. When a man dates a woman, what is he looking at? Her butt. He ain't worried about, I wonder if she's godly. I wonder if she's starving for the word. And she wants to be purified by the washing of God's word. I wonder if she's interested in that. No. What's her eyes? What's her chest? What's her waist? That's what I try to tell guys when they get married. I said, you want to get into this, go look at their mother, because that's what you're going to get. And everybody says, well, you mean they're going to get old and... No. If they're dingbats, you're going to marry a dingbat. And, you know, people look at me like, well, no, I'm serious. I've watched it. I've seen it. Women rule the house, whether men like it or not. And the woman, the mother, has the influence on the children. 
male or female. But in our society, women are nothing more than sex objects. Men have used women. Men have abused women. There's absolutely no question of that. And by golly, you got to give men credit. They have fulfilled their part of the curse. They can't get... You know, I was reading some statistics. It's kind of weird. When you ask around, you hear all these economic numbers, GDP and all these other things. Do you know what the largest single industry in the United States is? Produces the most money. Is it steel? Automobiles? You know what it is? They can't even put a number on it. It's pornography. Pornography is our largest industry. Tell me we ain't using women. What does it do to women? And that's so wrong. And I mean, everything. I buy tools. I used to buy Snap-ons, and all of a sudden they thought they were made of gold. And they always would give me a calendar of these scantily clad women holding tools that I know they had no idea what that was for. And there's just something about a, a, a woman in a bikini holding a torque wrench. You're like, really? Think about it. Have you ever seen, uh, go look at beer commercials. Listen, I come from a background, I know what beer drinking is. And I've never seen any of them women. I uh, grew up with the age that sex is just an animal act. And we are just animals. And that makes the woman so far, very far less than God intended. That is not what women are for. Women are helpers. They are helpmates. And man has constantly and continuously oppressed women for sexual pleasures. Yet, women have sought to override the bonds that God had given in their design. They manipulate. Why is it you never... The man who... A nagging woman, Proverbs says, will drive a man to the roof. You ever seen nagging women? It's just we don't have enough ladders. Because it drives you nuts. You know what? We're in a time, and because of our nature, we can't really expect anything different. This is sin, but understand it is our nature. It doesn't have to be that way. And I keep telling people that, and they keep looking at me like I fell off. Would you just come from the moon? 518. Remember that verse of Ephesians. Be filled with the Spirit. Who is leading me? There can be a fulfilled right relationship between a man and a woman. But only when Jesus Christ is first. And that defies our logic. Well, I need to give myself to my wife and my wife needs to give herself to me. Nope, you can't do it. It's not in your nature. But if you give yourself to Jesus Christ, what is added unto you? All things. When Christ is your focus, then you're spirit-filled. When Christ is your focus, then you will love that woman the way Christ loves the church and gave himself for. We can fulfill that relationship. Can you think, I want you to think about this. This is for men specifically, but I want the women to hear this. 
When that relationship is Christ-filled, Holy Spirit-filled, where a woman is lifted up, she is exalted. I want you to remember what the text said. She is exalted to be all that God has intended her to be. When a man knows how it is that he is to invest his life to provide love for that woman. So there is a marvelous oneness in life. Now then, ladies, would you like to have a marriage like that? If you don't have it, then you know whose fault it is? You guys, the ladies, I ain't saying he's right there. <laughs> See all these guys, Ooh, what? It's the man's responsibility. I don't care how ditzy, I don't care how mean your wife is, I don't care how much she nags, I don't care about any of that. When you stand before a holy God, guess what? You're the spiritual leader, dude. Period. And I've looked for the escape hatch, and I shall continue to look. But to date, there isn't one. And see, I have to understand it because I'm a shepherd. Guess what? Hebrews tells me that I have to give an account for the souls entrusted to me. Every one of you. And my wife. When a woman is lifted up and exalted and allowed to be what God designed her to be, it will be fulfilled in every need of the human heart. And I can't imagine why any of us wouldn't want that. The problem with marriage, well, there's many. First and foremost, it's cursed. We looked at that. Not only that, if marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church, okay? Now, part of my responsibility as a pastor is to protect the flock, okay? If there's goofy teaching out there, if there's heebie-jeebie stuff going on, I will protect you from that, okay? If you have good leadership in the body of Christ, then the church is protected by the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, if Satan can't get through that, what's his next target? The exact representation of that. The family. Husband and wives. And I would argue that may be his favorite target. You know why I say that? It's easy. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I've dealt with some people who were struggling with pornography, and they would give me this big dissertation about it. And when I got done, I said, well, you know something about pornography? They said, what? I said, it ain't real. What do you mean it ain't real? Well, it ain't real. It's on a piece of paper. It's a magazine. It's a computer screen. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's not... Why would you allow that to disturb you when it's not real? Well, but these are real people. Those are not real people. It's on a phone. It's on a computer. It's on, I don't know, a magazine. It ain't real. I don't don't understand that. I didn't even understand that as a kid. The problem with marriage is that we are cursed, but we are also a target of Satan. Remember, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's Jesus to the church. That is husbands to wives. So let me show you some things that Satan does. Remember in Genesis 3 last week? At the fall, God sealed it in stone. It's cursed. Men, you are cursed with this. Women, you are cursed with this. And I dare someone to deny it. Okay, nobody's willing. All right. But if you look... Right 
As soon as the fall and they're cast out of the garden, the attack begins. Chapter 4 of Genesis. What shows up? Polygamy. Boom! Just like that. The corruption of the divine standard. The two shall be one, not three. Right out of the bat. I mean, you're just boom. Now let's have multiple wives. You know what? He's still at it. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Remember Noah. Noah got off that boat and partied. Let his hair down, threw his clothes off, and got hammered. He was in his own tent. Ham, his son, goes in, sees him, makes some snide remarks, and walks out. Evil thoughts and evil words came into being in chapter 9. Adam and Eve were naked and what? Not ashamed. Okay? Now we have perversion. Sin entered, and when sin entered, there are evil thoughts. In reality, this perversion is possible because of Satan. Shem and Jephthah, they go try to help their father, and they put a a blanket, a covering on their shoulders, and then walk in backwards and cover their father so that they don't have the evil thoughts, the evil words, and things like that with their dad. God cursed Ham and he blessed Shem and Jephthah. Polygamy. Evil sexual thoughts. Then we go into Genesis 16. There we get adultery. Abraham and Sarah getting up in age. Supposed to have all these kids. Sands of the seas. Sarah comes up with a great idea. Take my handmaiden. 16.2. Take Hagar. You know there's problems with those two children since. But you know what that is? Adultery. When you have sex with someone else outside of your marriage. That's adultery. Genesis 19.4-7. Satan is busy. He's busy, 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 busy. The birth of homosexuality. Sodom and Gomorrah. They even sent some angels down to get Lot and his family out. And they want to have sex with the angels. And the angels blinded them. But their lusts were so hot, they continued to try. And God says, okay, I'll deal with it. And he obliterated Sodom and Gomorrah. It is tough to make a marriage work. It's tough to make a marriage work with just the stinking curse. Polygamy, sexual thoughts, adultery, homosexuality. It's not getting any easier. We live in a world of lies. What's next? Fornication. Fornication. Sexual relationships outside of marriage. Deir, daughter of Leah and Jacob, went to see the daughters of the land. Shechem took her and defiled her on the ground. I mean, that's sex outside of marriage, but it's also the first case that we know of rape. Satan corrupting what God created. Listen, we're not out of the first book of the Bible. Genesis 38, 13 to 24. Tamar. Tamar. Commits incest with her father-in-law. But God bless her, she does it for a price. So it's prostitution. Solicitation. And harlotry. But in this case, it's incest because it's with her father-in-law. She gets his ring and his staff so when she's pregnant, she can go back and prove who the father is. And it says there that Tamar played the prostitute. Genesis 
39. Joseph and Potiphar's house. Evil seduction. You want to know why marriage is tough? Want to know why marriage is difficult? Why so many divorce? Why so many are miserable? Have you ever seen those people who stayed married just for convenience? And yet they're miserable? You know, I know a lot of those. Well, I don't want a divorce. We have dick children. Well, you're treating each other like evil, and your kids are looking at it saying, Huh, I should try that. Sin. Women taking the place of a man and acting independently and man falling submissively to her will. I see this so much. I see men chasing women and willing to do anything that woman asks because he's in hot pursuit. And you wonder why the relationship is shallow and meaningless. And God cursed the act of Adam and Eve and humanity and its nature and man wants to be a totalitarian and the impulses of polygamy, of evil thoughts, evil words, adultery, homosexuality, fornication, rape. And you know what? You can add to it that it's just the pièce de résistance. Unequally yoked. You're going to have one in a marriage who is susceptible to all of this perversion and one who is not. How does that work? Oh, but he's a... You're going to tell me he can defeat his nature or she can defeat her nature. Really? Then that will be the first person on the planet in creation who's ever been able to pull it off. Can't be done. Why? How does an unbeliever walk spirit-filled? And the only way you're going to have a fulfilled, exalted marriage is to have two people spirit-filled. There is no plan B. Seduction, prostitution. All of this is troubling to try to make a marriage everything that it can be. Listen, I understand it. I remember when the Clintons were in the White House and I was going to check on something that the White House was going to... And I typed in this, what I thought was the White House website. It wasn't. (laughs) It was pornography. And I said, gee, many crickets. This is insane. I know pastors right now who don't know the passwords to their computers because that will keep them from getting on pornographic sites. Pastors, please don't tell me that an unbeliever can overcome this. It's impossible. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? God puts this stuff in here to protect us. And we all go, do, 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 do. It's all right. I'm bigger than that. No, you're not. And yet, now we live, if that's not bad enough, now we live in an environment that encourages all of this stuff. And they even call it virtuous. You know, if you go out and have an affair, then you'll appreciate your wife more. How does that work? I mean, I remember the first time I heard that, and I thought, well, that's the dumbest thing, but they've managed to top that now. Our society, look at what is made fun of today. I remember Tim Tebow. Remember Tim Tebow, the football player? Somebody interviewed him, and he told him he was saving his virginity for his wife. And I mean, he was already in the NFL. And they started making fun of him. I can't believe it. Big football quarterback, dude. And you're still, yeah, yeah. And then they called him a liar. But they make fun of it. If you are virtuous, they make fun of it. 
And yet I look around at the hideousness of what we call relationships, and I'm thinking, why ain't nobody laughing at that? It would be tough to make a marriage work under just the curse. Yet in a satanic society that tells us that God's ways is wrong. God's ways, if you listen to the Bible, do you realize how stifling that is? Hmm. A society that tells you how to live it up. It'd be tough to live a godly life. I have a picture in there on my door of a lady I met when I was in Israel, Rachel. She was working on her second PhD in languages. And I mean, very attractive woman. And we kind of hung out together because my roommate was a dork. A loving dork, but he was still a dork. And Rachel and I could kind of talk. We kind of had the same theological understanding. And I asked her, I said, well, do you have a boyfriend and things? She said, well, no. She says, right now, I'm focused on walking with the king. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Okay. And, and she, I said, well, what is it you're planning on doing? She says, once I get done with this language uh, course uh, in, in, at Dallas, she says, I'm going to Mongolia. I was like, wow, that's, yeah, okay. And she says, they don't have a written language. So I'm going to go to Mongolia. I'm going to learn to speak it. Then I'm going to create a language, and then I'm going to translate the Bible into the language that I just... And you're sitting there going, what? <laughs> that's when I started riding on the other bus. I was like, no, 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 that's crazy. And she says, you know what? I'm going to serve the Lord with the depth of my soul, and if he wants me to be married, he'll bring one and set it right there. You know what he did? He brought one and set it right there. Hudson. You know what his degree is? languages they're both teaching seminary in a mon she's not she's having babies but he's teaching seminary in Amman Jordan to the Ethiopians because they both studied languages and she says because I remember when she called, she wanted me to come to her wedding they were getting married in Minnesota and she said can you come to my wedding I was like and I just at that time I no I no huh? it's summer in Minnesota there's no way but anyway uh, and um you know, she said, you know, we were working and we took a leave. They went somewhere in southern China and they run into each other. Both found out they were doing the same thing. The next thing you know, they were just working, translating. And there it is. And you sit there and you think, you can't make this up. That's what I tell people. If you are looking for a partner, you will find one. But are you settling? I was looking and this is what God gave me. How do you know that? If you ain't sold out to Christ, you don't know what he's given to you. I've had couples come in to me and they said, we want to get married. God brought us together. We want to have marriage. And we just know that God wants this union. I said, amen. And I said, are you sleeping together? I said, well, yeah. I said, you have no idea what God wants. If you're doing that, you don't know what he wants. And they don't let me do their weddings. Can you believe that? It's a perverse nation. And we're trying to get our act together as believers. And now listen, we don't have that many single people. But the ones that we have, please understand, don't settle. Focus on Christ. What does Christ want me to do? Step by step by step. And you'll run up and bump into somebody. And they'll be walking with Christ. Well, you haven't been around. There's just not that many people out there. You know what? You're right. Which means when God gives you the one he wants, what an awesome thing that is. Because remember, there's not that many out there. So he picked that one for you. Where I come from, they call that phantasmagorical. But I watch brothers and sisters in Christ trying to keep their home unified in the midst of all of this. 
Jiminy Crick. I remember, do you mean I, oh, this is going to get me in trouble. Anybody remember I Dream of Jeannie? They wouldn't show her belly button. She had, I don't know, bloomers that came up to about right here. Go watch TV now. Gee, many crickets. And that is what is bombarding us every day. And they tell us how great love is. Remember all the, the big couples that got married? What was her name? Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. The perfect couple. Well, we were wrong. It should be Brad and Jolene. Oh, well, uh, we were wrong about that one too. And so you sit and you watch this and you're like, no, because you guys are looking at what? She's a looker. He's a looker. The only ones who can make an exalted marriage are the ones who know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first three chapters of Ephesians. The only one, then the second thing that they've got to be sure of is chapter 5, verse 18. Are you spirit-filled? Are you being led by the Spirit? Listen, if you're in open rebellion, know that you're not being led by the Spirit. It's that simple. I mean, if he's shown you something and he said, no, I don't want you to ever do that. And you say, well, I can make it different. That's the same thing they're telling me about communism. If we get the right bunch of people ruling this thing, it'll be perfect. No, it won't. Why? That is the folly of humanity. Apart from that, there is absolutely no hope for a marriage. I mean, you could be together for 50 years and just tolerate each other. Well, what was that? I know people who are in that right now. Not 50 years, but apart from that, you have no hope. You have to be a believer of Jesus Christ in all of his glory, and you have to be walking in his spirit moment by moment. Listen. There is no hope of you doing this if you're married to an unbeliever. If you're not spirit-filled and you're both believers, you can't do it. You would be better off to go find the fountain of youth. Your odds are going to be better. Where I'll make it real easy on it. Go for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Because see, you know what? Our society denies the reality. The reality is we're cursed. The reality is that the family unit is the main target of Satan and his demons. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, piece of cake. You would think would be smart enough, if he's only going to do three things, would be smart enough to say, well, this has got to be one of the three. But we're not. Because you know why? Our society denies the reality and throws the fantasy at us. You watch some of these TV shows of this glorious family and they love each other and oh, and it's, it's wonderful and all the rest of it. And it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a primary attack. The heart of human relationship, if that doesn't work, what happens to our society? If our family units are dissolved and divorcing all the time, cheating on one another, lying to one another, what happens to your society? You know what they call that? Miserable. I see people who are married who are miserable. And to me that is, how is that possible? The body, the bride... It's not good for us to be alone. Listen, men, you won't admit it, but I will. And I'll call you on it this morning. You are in a desperate need of a helper. Men, you need someone to fulfill your deepest emotional needs, both spiritually and physically. Men... You actually need somebody to be your friend that you can share anything, any time with. And yet Satan smashes man at the center of his greatest need. 
Remember, this world lies in the lap of Satan, and he is the father of lies. You know how many lies he's told us, gentlemen? Sex is better on the other side of the fence. Nope. Because you just put woman as a sex object. No. We are in a sick world, and it's confused. And you know what? I love you. It's getting worse. I remember what we were doing in the 60s and early 70s, and you're like, this is free love. This is what you're supposed to do. I look at it today and say, boy, send me a bill. I can't afford the freedom. How do we find a meaningful relationship? You know, I'm out looking for my soulmate. You realize how silly that is? Sounds cool, though, doesn't it? Honey, I think you're my soulmate. Really? No, you got a big chest, but you're my soulmate. Listen, you guys can say, well, I can't believe the pastor's saying it. I'm telling you what truth is, people. This is the reality. My soulmate, that means I won't have no pain. It means I won't have no loneliness. There will be no boredom. Anybody here been married long enough to experience boredom? <laughs> At least my wife is honest. Let me ask you what you're settling for. Because too many are settling for a pipe dream. It can't happen. Look what the world shows us is perfect. Think about it. What does the world tell me is perfect? It's all external. Ladies, if you're going to date, see if the guy's interested in your soul and your purity, your nature, and your character. And what can they do to wash you with the Word of God to present you holy and pure before a righteous Jesus as my responsibility is to do with the body that I've been trusted with. That's the man you want to... Hey, this might be interesting. Our world lives an illusion. Our world lives in a fantasy. The grass is always greener. But you know what? Still grass. It's a fantasy. That perfect person and that perfect relationship is a non-existent entity. The reality is this book. Knowing Christ and knowing God on an intimate relationship. Being filled and letting that relationship be only what God can make it. The fantasy of that perfect thing. How do you take two cursed individuals and say, I've got a perfect thing. Let alone the attacks of our adversary. I hear people talk about perfect sex. The real fun. The real living. You know, and the more you have outside of marriage... Then you get experience. You know what you're doing. Let me tell you something. That is a lie. And that may be the biggest lie that Satan has sold us. People in our world don't want to listen to God so they can't know what the true answer is. The two being one, okay, has nothing to do with sex. It is when the man loves her so much that she is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, then we are one. We are one. When I love her more than I love myself, that's one. We are not living in a fantasy world. We live in reality. Listen, brothers and sisters, I have no illusions. I've been around a long time. I got saved late, so I know the defilement that the world offers. I don't brag about that. But let me tell you something. 
I'm not going to be deceived. And I know what people tell me. I know what people want me to believe. But I know what this thing says. And I'm not moving off of this. The world is an illusion. The reality is the book of God. Period. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, uh, I just praise you that uh, well, you're growing me anyway. Father, I pray that uh, we'll be strong in you and in the strength of your might. Father, I pray that husbands will love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Father, I pray for those who are single that they will bow before you and say, Lord, your will be done. You know that I was not created to be single. And therefore, Lord, I beg you, bring me a godly, well, we don't have no men, so a godly man to protect me, to provide for me, and to purify me. Father, such a task. But Lord, I smile and say, what an awesome God we serve. Love you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.